I'm turning this evening to the passage that we read together in the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, and uh, the healing of the blind man. Mark chapter 8 and verse 22. And the Lord Jesus, he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And our subject this evening is the cure for spiritual blindness. And this is a unique, uh, a unique healing, a unique miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only in the Gospel of Mark, unusually, and it's the only miracle we have, the only healing we have of the Lord Jesus that's done in two stages. Now, we have to ask ourselves, what is the purpose of the healing miracles? What is the purpose of them? Why are they in the Bible? And obviously, number one, they teach us of Christ. They authenticate him. And when he came to earth, he must be authenticated. It must be clear and obvious that this is the Son of God, that this is the God-man, a divine power. He is working uh, as God. You see many miracles today, every miracle today, every so-called healer. I'm not talking about miracles in answer to prayer, but your so-called healer. I've been in meetings before when I was younger. And they would say at the end of the meeting, does anybody have a bad back? And a few people would put their hands up and they would pronounce healing in the name of the Lord. Well, that's, that's not what we're talking about. That's not real miracle. Those people weren't really healed. This is uh, authenticated, the Lord Jesus, and that he is the Son of God, that he has all power, that he has power over the body. It shows that he is truly God and the miracles authenticated him. But also, also they show us a picture of salvation. All of the miracles, the healing miracles, are a picture of salvation. And so uh, we have a body and we have a soul. And we all know what it means to have our body healed. We all understand what it means to go to the doctor and to seek medical advice for our bodies. And yet exactly the same applies to our soul. Our soul needs to be healed. Our soul is ill. Our soul is uh, dead in trespasses and sins, fast asleep, whatever metaphor we like to use. Our soul is ill. Our soul is in need of uh, rejuvenation, of, of quickening from the dead. And the miracles, the healing miracles of the Lord Jesus tell us all about that. Spiritual restoration, not just restoration of our physical body, but restoration of the soul. And so we have a wonderful account for us here this evening. And we'll come to why the Lord Jesus did this in two stages in a moment. Well, uh, he came to Bethsaida, verse 22, and they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And the Lord Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. I want to deal with that first. The Lord Jesus led him out of the town. And you think, why does it tell us that? Why was this man led out of the town? And it comes back to the point about the Lord Jesus and his authenticating nature of the miracles. You see, 
the Lord Jesus had enemies. He had those who were watching him, those who were willing to pounce upon anything that he did. And it was, all, it was absolutely paramount that the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated that he was God by performing miracles that were undeniable. People received their sight. People were made to walk, withered hands, made new. This was undeniable. Nobody could deny it. And this miracle, well, this miracle is different. This miracle will be in two stages. And perhaps there would be those there who say, oh, this man can't heal. This man has failed. This is a healing that didn't work the first time. And so the Lord Jesus chooses on this occasion to lead the man out of the town. Every other occasion in front of all the people. On every other occasion in front of his enemies. On every other occasion in public. But on this occasion, he leads him out of the town. Well, they bring to him a blind man. Some people believe this man had been able to see before because of the word used for the, the restoration of his sight. But nevertheless, he is a blind man. And every part of this miracle is interesting. Every part of it speaks to us this evening. They bring a blind man unto him. The blind man didn't come to the Lord himself. The blind man is brought to the Lord Jesus. Interesting. That's how it is, isn't it? He didn't come of his own will. He didn't seek. It isn't put like that for us. They brought the blind man to him. And uh, we are, potentially, aren't we, brought to God. We don't come of our own will, spiritually speaking. We are not people who seek after God. There is none righteous, says the Bible. No, not one. There is none that understandeth. Oh no, the Bible says we've all gone out of the way. We are altogether unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. The Bible's uh, description of man is terrible. If you were to read it in Romans chapter 3, it is a patchwork quilt of Old Testament quotes. It says that our, our uh, throat is like an open grave. With our tongues we have used deceit. We've got the poison of asps under our lips, the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before our eyes. Oh, this is the condition of man. We don't seek God of our own will. And this man was brought to the Lord Jesus. We are blind spiritually. And that's the crux of the parable, isn't it? Of the, of the miracle. We are blind. Just like this man was blind physically, we are blind spiritually. We cannot see. We do not see the holiness of God. We do not see the righteousness of God. We do not see the power of God. We do not see the creation. We are blind. I've said this before, and I apologize if it's, if it's boring, but if you were to go to the beach and you see the word, hello, written in the sand, well, you don't assume that that's an accident. You assume somebody's been there before. You assume somebody else has just been to the beach and just written that in the sand. You wouldn't assume for a moment that that would happen by chance. You don't look at a car and think, well, this has somehow uh, come up by chance. No, it has a designer. It's obviously designed. An aeroplane, a jumbo jet, obviously has a designer. There are so many thousands of parts all working together perfectly. It's obvious. It's obvious that there's a creator when you see uh, life in its complexity. 
when you see the animal kingdom, when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, it's obvious. And yet we're blind to it. We cannot see it. And this man was uh, physically blind. We are spiritually blind. We do not see God. We cannot see him. And uh, we are dead in our sins. Well, what do they do? They besought him. The, the friends, the, uh, they, we assume are his friends or his relatives, they bring a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. Well, perhaps you're here this evening, you're not a Christian, you're not a believer, but maybe, maybe somebody in your life is beseeching the Lord, maybe somebody in your life is praying for you, maybe somebody is praying night and day that you would come, these friends besought the Lord, Lord, you must touch him. You must touch him. Maybe you have a friend. Maybe you have a relative. And they're on their knees praying for you. They're praying that you would be uh, alive. That you would have spiritual life. That you would have a new life. Oh, the Bible says we're dead. Oh, yeah, but we could be a new creature. And maybe there are people in your life praying for you that you might come to know the Lord for yourself, beseeching the Lord to touch him. And uh, that's how it will be. That's how it will be. The chances are, I'm sure if you're a Christian, somebody was praying for you. I'm sure many people have uh, parents who pray for them. Many people will have been raised in a Christian family and have parents pray for them every day. Maybe you have a friend that you know who prays for you. Maybe somebody that you know says, I'm praying for you, I pray for you. Oh, always, always there'll be somebody praying for you. These friends besought the Lord to touch him. Besought the Lord Jesus to touch him. It had to be the Lord Jesus, didn't it? They couldn't go to anybody else. You can't go to anybody else. If you would want to be a new creature, you can't. You can't get new life, you can't get eternal life, you can't get forgiveness of sins from any other person, from any other thing. It's folly, isn't it, to think that you could have eternal life granted to you by some inanimate object. It's, it's, it's pointless to think that it could possibly be so. You can't be given eternal life and forgiveness of sins by a, another man or a woman, a, a human, a fallen human being. Oh no, they brought him to the Lord Jesus. That's how it had to happen. It had to be him. Only Christ can save you from your sins. And if you want to be forgiven, if you want to be a new creature, if you want to have new life and a hope of heaven, eternal life, then you come to the Lord Jesus. You come to his feet. And, you know, the scripture tells us that uh, people go about to establish their own righteousness. That's what they do. I want to go to heaven. This is what Paul tells us the Romans. He tells us in Romans, that's what the Jews did. They, they have a zeal for God and they go about to establish their own righteousness. And they don't realize that they could never be righteous enough. They don't realize that there is nothing good in them. No, oh, no, they come. They must come. If they want to be saved, they come to the foot of the cross. They come to the Lord Jesus and that's what this man did well verse 23 he took the blind man by the hand 
and led him out of the town. This is the beginning of conversion. This is the regenerating work of the Lord. The Lord Jesus leads this man by the hand. What a wonderful phrase. What a wonderful picture to think about the Lord Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus, God himself, taking this man, this blind man by the hand. You can, you can picture it in your mind's eye. He leads him, takes him by the hand. And uh, this speaks to us as well. Because if we're to be saved, it's the work of God. It's the work of God. It's not your efforts. Nothing in my hand I bring, says the hymn writer. Simply to thy cross I cling. The Lord Jesus begins that work. He takes the man by the hand. He leads him. We cannot save ourselves. We don't go about to establish our own righteousness. The Lord Jesus takes us by the hand. And that's what he did to this man. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, verse 23, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Well, this is the, the first stage, if you like, of his conversion. And he begins to see men. And that's why some people think this man could have seen before, because he seems to know what trees and men are. And he says that he sees men like trees walking. So why two stages? Every other time, the Lord Jesus healed instantly, undeniably. Why does he do it in two stages here? Well, the answer to that is this. He's doing it to show that conversion, in a great number of people I think, but conversion is a gradual process for most people. Conversion is something that happens gradually. We have understanding and light on the word in parts. We don't see fully, we don't see clearly necessarily straight away, but the Lord is working a work in us. We are different from how we used to be. Conversion can happen in stages. And you may, you may put off professing the Lord Jesus because you don't have that uh, moment of conversion when you can say, that's the time I trusted in the Lord. You know, there are people that can. There are people who can say, I know I trusted in the Lord at that point. I know people who have sat down with the Bible and opened the Bible and read it. And... They know that's when they trusted in the Lord. They can trace it back to almost the day or the time. Some people have very clear uh, demarcation about when they trusted in God. But others, it's less clear. For others, it's more of a gradual experience. You know, the, the, it's likened to a, a child being born. The child is conceived, and yet the child isn't born for, for months afterwards. It's a, it can be like that with conversion. It is like that with conversion. Sometimes very quickly, but sometimes more gradual. And the Lord Jesus wants to teach us that salvation can be a gradual process. Well, the disciples didn't fully understand everything. And it's no surprise to us that this miracle comes just after the disciples show that they don't fully understand everything that the Lord was talking about. We have to go a little bit further back in this chapter, but in verse 9, we have the feeding of the 4,000, and the Lord Jesus sent the people away, 
And verse 10, he entered into a ship with his disciples and came to the parts of Dalmanutha. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, Why does this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them, and entering into the ship, again departed to the other side. And here's the point, verse 14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them any more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not. Having ears, hear ye not. And do you not remember? And so the disciples are on the wrong track. They've seen this great miracle of the 4,000 being fed. And uh, they are entering into the ship and the Lord Jesus uh, puts to them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they're talking about, it's because we've forgotten bread. And the Lord Jesus says to them, how is it that you do not understand? How is it that you do not perceive? Why is your heart yet hardened? These disciples had left all to follow him. And yet they didn't understand. They didn't understand everything. And it may be that you think, well, I don't understand everything. I feel like I'm different. There are evidences that I'm different. I've changed. I used to be antagonistic. I used to be somebody who would uh, scoff at these things, but now I'm much different. I feel like I'm a different person. I'm starting to see my sinfulness. I'm starting to see the work of God and the righteousness of Christ, but you can't fully say you're there. But this was true for these people as well. Oh, these, these people reasoned among themselves, saying it's because we have no bread. And the Lord Jesus said, how is it that you do not understand? They didn't grasp everything. And we have it again. We have it again. Verse 31, the Lord Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. In verse 32, he, began, he spake that saying openly, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Peter didn't understand. He didn't understand everything. He didn't understand the disciples didn't grasp for a long time that the Son of Man must come, that he must suffer, he must die on Calvary's cross. This is the plan. This has always been the plan. Right from Genesis chapter 3, when it says to Eve that her seed her child, a child of a child of a child will come and bruise Satan. All the types in the shadows, all the promises, all the prophecies, all pointing towards the Lord Jesus. And the disciples still didn't understand. Peter's rebuking him. Peter saying, this cannot possibly be. Peter took him and began to rebuke him. And the Lord Jesus says to him, get thee behind me, Satan. For thou savourest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. The disciples thought the Lord Jesus would be an earthly king, somebody to deliver them from the Romans perhaps. But no, Christ was a spiritual work and they didn't grasp it. And it may be that you've come a long way. It may be that you are on the road to conversion, but you don't understand everything. Well, that's okay because 
Neither did the disciples understand everything. And sometimes it takes longer for us to come to the point where we fully realize. And there will be a point, because look at the parable. He took the blind man by the hand, verse 23, and led him out of the town. I said parable, the miracle. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and he said, I see men as trees walking. Verse 25. After that he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up and he was restored and saw every man clearly. This was a perfect miracle, perfect healing. Don't think that this, is, this isn't half a healing, this is a perfect uh, restoration of sight for the blind man. And if you become a Christian, you will be fully converted. If the Lord begins a work in you, he will bring it through and you will come more into the light. You will come to see more clearly. You will come to see uh, your sinfulness perhaps even more than you do already. You will see the work of God, the righteousness of Christ, more clearly than you see it now. You will see the Old Testament more clearly than perhaps you do at the moment. Maybe your mind is a, is a little foggy on many things, but the Lord Jesus can restore your sight perfectly, and he will. Maybe you've started to see through the world. Maybe you've uh, no longer got that contempt that you had. You've started to think about eternity. You've started to see the Creator God. You've started to see His handiwork. You've started to see your need of forgiveness. Many doubts still perhaps. Many areas of uncertainty still perhaps. But you're changed. The Lord Jesus has begun a work. He's led you by the hand. He's leading you by the hand. He's maybe given you some understanding. You see men as trees walking, but he will deliver you fully. He will restore your sight perfectly. What changed is? What changed him? What changed the blind man? What was the agency? Verse 23, the Lord spit on his eyes. Why did he do that? He could have just done it with a word. He could have just said it and it would have been done. Well, the old writers seem to suggest that it's probably a, an indication that the Lord Jesus healed with something from his mouth. You see, we're healed. The, man, the blind man healed with something physical from the Lord Jesus' mouth onto his eyes, physical eyes. If you want to be healed, what will, you, what will, you, what will heal you? will be the word of God. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You can't go from here to there trying this and trying that for salvation. No, you come to the Word. What does it tell me about myself? What does it tell me about the promised Messiah? What does it tell me about what I must do to be saved? Because it tells you that the Messiah came. It tells you that he lived a perfect life. It tells you that he went to Calvary's cross. It tells you that if you trust in him, if you believe in him, all your sins transfer to him. He will take your hell for you and he will cleanse you and clothe you in his righteousness. You see, that's what you need for salvation, isn't it? You are in debt, terrible debt, a debt uh, that you can never repay. And the Lord Jesus, he not only clears your debt, but he gives you what you need. He gives you the righteousness that you need in order to be ushered in to the eternal kingdom. Well, Christ restore, restores the man fully and he will restore you fully. If you come to him, if you trust in him, and you may think, well, it has to be an experience. It has to be something that I can pinpoint to the day. 
Well, this parable teaches us that it might not be. It teaches us that it might be more gradual and it might be something that you come to see over a period of time. But it's conversion, nonetheless. It is a new life that you have, nonetheless, if you understand what he's done, if you understand what you must do to be saved. Well, the man was sent home. After this, verse 25, verse 26, he sent him away to his house, saying, neither go into the town, nor tell it to any in the town. Will you be sent away this evening? We will all go back to our homes this evening. Will you go back a new man? Will you go back a new woman? Will you have put your trust and uh, belief in the Lord Jesus? This man did. This man was brought to the Lord Jesus. This man uh, came to the point where he wasn't resisting it. He could have been kicking and streaming, couldn't he? He could have been somebody who said, I want nothing to do with that man. But he was bought and he came and he was restored. Very different, isn't it, from the scribes and the Pharisees in verse 11 and 12. Oh, the Pharisees came forth and they began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven and tempting him. That's not the spirit. That's not the spirit of the blind man. Testing him and tempting him, seeking of him a sign from heaven. They'd had many signs from heaven. What else did they want to see? And the Lord Jesus in Matthew, uh, Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 16, has this account too. And he says to the, the disciples, he says, there will be no sign given. There will be no sign given. They seek a sign, only the sign. There'll be one sign. What's that? There'll be one sign. What is that sign? He says it will be the sign of the prophet Jonah. And just as Jonah was in the whale of the fish, for th the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so also the Son of Man will be... Uh, will die. He will die and on the third day he will rise again. This is the sign. If you want a sign, look at me, he says. If you want a sign, look at my work. Look at what I've come to do. This is the sign. I will go to Calvary's cross. This is the sign. I will die on Calvary's cross. This is the sign. They will say he saved others. He cannot save himself. This is the sign. I will die on that cross and I will take hell the punishment that sinners deserve if they trust in me and this is the sign on the third day I will rise again their death will have no victory over me death uh, cannot contain him and when the people go this is the sign when the people go to the tomb to find the body there will be no body because I'm risen again this is the sign the Lord Jesus will appear alive after his death to 500, to the disciples, to the ladies. He will appear so many times. This is the sign the Lord Jesus will ascend to heaven and he will sit now at the right hand of the Father and sits there now, even now, at the right hand of the Father and he will come again. Will you go home from this place this evening? Will you go home in your sin? Will you go home dead in trespasses and sins? Or will you go home a new person? Will you go home a new creature? What must you do? Maybe you've had some understanding. Maybe your eyes are changed. Maybe your life has changed. Well, close with him. Go to his cross and say, Lord, restore me fully. Lord, give me eyes to see. Help me to see fully my sinfulness. Help me to see fully your glory. 
Help me to put my trust in the Lord Jesus for everything. Help me to yield to him completely. Help me to leave off those sins. Help me to give up my vain ambitions. Help me in everything to come as a needy sinner to the foot of the cross. Help me to trust in the Lord Jesus fully for salvation. Help me to know. Help me to know that I am saved. Help me to know that I am a Christian. Grant me assurance. Grant me some understanding. And help me. And he will help you. And he will change you. And he will bless you. And he will give you that understanding. And he will make you from one who was blind to one who can see. How quickly? Who knows? Maybe very quickly. Maybe over a longer period of time. But the one thing is sure. He was blind. And now he can see. And you are blind spiritually. But if you put your trust in him. If you believe in him. You will be able to see. Clearly. Fully. And you will know that he is the only true and living God. You'll know that he is the saviour and you'll know that there is no hope in life to be saved from your sins apart from him. So come to him, confess your sin, trust in him, believe in him and he will give you sight, he will give you understanding and he'll give you a new nature, you'll be a new creature and you'll walk with him all the days of your life. Amen.